listen to Cassie and Henry. They know about wine. Hello, welcome, welcome to Butler's Podcast. <laughs> ciao, ciao. Cassie Gould, what are we talking about today then? We're My talking lover. about Valpolicella. Okay, why are we talking about that? Well, I don't <laughs> because we really like drinking it and it seems to be a very seasonal wine and now people are coming in buying Amarones. Yes. So I think we need to establish the difference between Valpolicella, as it is, yes. uh, Rapasso and Amarone. Okay, good start. And, and also establish that Valpolicella is a place and not a wine or a grape. Okay, so we've established that then. I, mean, I that's have. a short podcast. <laughs> yes. So, can you please tell us a bit about Valpolicella? I can. Go on okay. then. Okay. Yes, okay. now. <laughs> Valpolicella is a place in northeast Italy, in the Veneto region. So you would fly to Verona or possibly to Venice and then sort of uh, travel a short distance and you'd be there. Lovely place to visit, just like um, a place called Suave, which is up there as well. Uh, the vineyards are on um, hilltops and on the sides of the hills and some on the flatlands as well. But it's very interesting terrain, good food, good wines. Valpolicella became popular really after the Second World War when Italy needed to raise income for the country. Um, so selling a lot of wine was a good idea. And they, they sold lots of Suave, lots of Valpolicella, lots of Chianti. Um, but the because in this pursuit of making more wine, they, they started to plant vineyards on the the areas that weren't quite so suited to the um, quality wines of Valpolicella and so the reputation got a little bit tarnished with very light sharp thin wines for a period of time but recently say the last 30 years there's been much more of an emphasis on quality and not quantity and getting the right plants in the right places and getting some really good quality fruit. Lovely. What Job else done. do you want to know? What grape varieties do they use in Valpolicella? Hello. Corvina is the main one. Um, and that's an Italian grape variety that gives you lots of cherry fruit, uh, dark cherry sometimes and sour cherry sometimes as well. Um, but they tend to be blended with a, another grape variety called Rondanella and another one called Molinara. 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 Um, and the Molinara is the one that is only used in tiny proportions and some people don't use it at all. So the, the favoured blend is mostly Corvina and topped up with Rondanella. Um, but they seem to work well hand in hand. Legally, you have to use those grape varieties. So you don't see any grape varieties like Merlot, Syrah, Cabernet Sauvignon. You're just using uh, Italian grape varieties. And I've been there. I was going to say, you must have been there. Mustard. I am mustard and I have been there a few times. And it's, I thoroughly recommend that people go to this place because it's a short plane ride and you can go there for a long weekend, say, something like that. Arrange a few visits, have a bit of nice food. Um, but when you're in the vineyards, unlike some places in France that you, where you see the vines quite low down on, on trellises, um, on wires, uh, the geo system in in Italy here, they train them up like on on big pergolas. So you walk down the tunnel of of vines. Very pretty. Very pretty, but it can get a bit humid, and the the vintages there do vary a lot. So sometimes they can get trouble with uh, mold and rot and stuff like that. So they need to keep um, the the vines are, are are up high and they're they're very aerated. Okay, and what about Valpolicella Classico? 
So the um, Valpolicella Classico is, is mainly the better sites that provide the better fruit over um, a period of time. Like for years and years, consistently, the best vineyards are on the Classico sites and they tend to be on the hills, higher up on the and hills. And you would see that on the label of a wine, it will say Valpolicella Classico. Yes, you do. So that, that and if, if you put Classico, you have to have your fruit has to come from the Classico designated areas. So um, you're sort of guaranteeing a bit of quality. Yeah, a bit better quality. The fruit is generally a bit riper and more complex and much more going on. And, and Valpolicella is a red wine. We didn't point that out. Um, and the basic Valpolicella could be really cheap or it could be really expensive depending on who makes it. Just like uh, if you buy a jacket, you could have one from Primark and then you could have one from Gresham. Gresham, Gresham Blake. Blake. Um, one would be considerably cheaper than the <laughs> other, but one might be better quality than the other. Um, so you get it's it's difficult to get your head around it sometimes because they will all be labelled Valpolicella. So it's important to try a few different Valpolicellas and then find the producer that you like because they will have a consistency of style. And then you could do a little bit of reading and say, oh, I like Court Santalda, for example, one of the ones that's one of my favourites. And then you could do a bit of reading and say, who makes wine like Court Santalda? And then that gives you a few others. So and that's your way in. So the three main styles of wine really from this region would be Valpolicella or Valpolicella Classico, Rapasso and Amarone. Yes, so... What are the differences between those three? Valpolicella, <laughs> why are you laughing? Valpolicella is <laughs> like, like the, the main, the staple wine of the region and that's just a, a straight red wine and often they're unoaked, often they're quite light in alcohol, 12.5%, sometimes they get up to 13 but lots of 12, 12.5%. They're very juicy, fresh, little bit of acidity, soft sort of crunchy um, cherry fruits and they're just, they are just meant to be Really nice pasta wines, pizza, pizza. wines, mm. pizza. <laughs> so you could go to Woodbox in um, Kemptown and, and go and take away some pizzas from there or get a pizza delivered from Pizza Face and then sit down with a couple of bottles of Valpolicella. You'd be all right and it's not going to hurt you too much. And you could have it slightly chilled, perhaps? You could have it slightly chilled, perhaps, yes. So then... Rapasso. Rapasso is, is a very popular style. That's why we're talking about it today. Lots of people know about this style of wine now and lots of people buy it because it gives you bang for your buck and it's made from... Quite gutsy. It is quite gutsy. So you take in your basic uh, Valpolicella that you would have made and then you're going to macerate that wine on, on the skins of the Amarone fruit, which is... Uh, we'll get to that in a second, but it's where um, they've dried out the grapes to make an Amarone. You put the skins of these these grapes into the Valpolicella, it macerates and it causes a second fermentation, which gives you one or two percent more alcohol, much more body, much more richness. And Repassos tend to be aged in oak for a bit, old or new. So they could be in your face oaky, they could be a bit more subtle, but say on average that's six to 12 months or whatever in, in oak. So it gives you a little bit more complexity, a bit more body. Um, what food would you be having with Ripasso? Ripasso, it, I, I sort of like drinking it on its own, to be honest, because it's really small. Didn't you, when smooth. you went there, didn't you have veal? Yeah, but not everyone likes that, do they? So <laughs> there's a ragu of some things. <laughs> Vegetables. From the area. Mushrooms. Yes, we love the mushrooms. Yeah, a little ragu, a bit of sage. We've got a bit of sage. Um, nice olive oil on top, you know, simple pasta. 
with a with a with a with a really nice. But can take a bit more flavour. Yeah, a bit of punch, and that, and I always think you get a bit more of the the plums, touch of the dark chocolate, cocoa flavours, bit spicy, and that'll be about fourteen percent, say fourteen and a half percent. So it's more punch, but it's not as expensive as their main wines, which would be the Amarone. So it's it's a good way of getting some really concentrated fruit and some powerful wine for a bit more than the Valpolicella. So the Valpolicella, say, it's 10 quid, say. Um, 10 ri- the, 15. Yeah, maybe. The, 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 the People can buy 10 quid ones. And the, the Ripasso might be, say, 15 15 to quid. 20. Yeah. And Amarone. Amarone, okay. So the, this is, the wine will be labelled Amarone della Valpolicella or della Valpolicella Classico, depending on where it's from. And Amarone is a, pro- a process. It's... Um, you pick the, the, the fruit and then if you are wanting to make an Amarone, you set about drying the, the grapes on mats. Um, Where do they put the mats? How do they dry them? So traditionally, <laughs> you, you look at me like I don't know anything. I'm testing. I'm certainly not preparing for this nonsense. <laughs> the um, Amarone, when they're drying them on the mats, traditionally they would have had the, the winemaking sort of building and then they, you take out the eaves at each end of the building. So you, you've got no roof. You've got a roof, but you haven't got the ends. So you've got free-flowing air. So you would then put your mats up in the roof, up there, where the air is, is flowing through, and they dry up there. Um, but each, each year the weather is a bit different, so it's hard to... You can't really control that. You're at the mercy of the weather. So some of the Amarones 50 years ago, 40 years ago, Really interesting, very nice, not consistent, and you could have trouble with mould and stuff like that. And some of them became a little bit volatile, which I quite like, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Drink them quickly. Del Forno and Quintarelli are, are really good producers, and they can have a little bit of the fragrance about them. But they're considered <laughs> some of the best of, of, of this sort of style of wine. So to, to get consistency, some might say they become a bit more homogenised, a bit samey. Um, you put them into air-controlled, air-conditioned warehouses and put them in these sort of plastic racks, stack them all up, and then you can control um, the, the, the style of wine that you're going to end up with. And that way you can make an Amarone every single vintage. In previous years, you might not be able to make it in certain years if it, if it wasn't so... And that concentrates the sugar by drying out the grapes. It does. So you're desiccating the fruit. So you're getting rid of the water, leaving the, the sugars which are super concentrated then, then because they haven't got anything to dilute it. Um, also important to, to bear in mind that Amarone is recognisable. It's a popular style of wine, but it's only been around since really the late 50s, but mainly the 60s, 1960s onwards. So it's not like a wine that Why? Italians have been making forever. I don't know. No one had made it before, I suppose. Um, but it, it certainly wasn't labelled as such. And we've, we've done tastings in the past. I was thinking about that the other day where we've had... Um, Amarone's from the 60s, 70s, 80s and uh, it's quite a, quite a mixed bag and I would say it's a style of wine really to be drinking now Barolos will age 10, 20 years so with Brunellos but I, I don't think Amarone's particularly benefit from that sort of ageing so they're a good wine to drink and consume now And as far as I was aware Amarone in Italy seems to be consumed at the end of a meal like a digestive 
So you wouldn't neck a bottle of it with a steak at lunchtime necessarily, although yeah, you well, possibly have done that. Well, people, magnums, but the people in, <laughs> in Brighton seem to, to I know they on, do tuck they? in. But the Amarone, because of the nature of the beast, because you've concentrated the sugars, they get up to 15 and a half, 16, 16 or sometimes bit. 17 yeah. percent So they're alcohol. almost fortified. Yeah. At that well, sort of level. Yeah, but they're not. They're not fortified wines, no. but they are at that sort of level of alcohol. Yeah. And they're quite concentrated and big. They are big. They're robust, but some people really like that sort of style of wine. So you can drink it when you want. But in, in theory, yes, they will be serving it up after dinner. DJ Steve and maybe six cheese. of you. Yeah, six of you. Dark chocolate as well with it. Um, sort of six of you having a small glass each and then you leave it. You don't... You, tuck you, into bottle two, three, four. No. Although people will do this at Christmas and then they will come and tell us they've had a headache. Yeah, they will. Yeah, which yeah. is probably something to do with the eight bottles that they've had previously. Well, you think you're all right with the first one, don't you? So you march on. <laughs> and then have some port. I remember doing a stock take in the Queen's Park Road cellar once and we cracked on and got it all sorted. So I opened a um, Casa Vecchi uh, Amarone as a treat oh, for the yeah. home straight and then looked at it halfway through and it was 17%. Yeah, that took the team down, I remember that. Probably made the stock figures a bit wrong as well, <laughs> or better. Maybe. Made everyone a bit warmer though. Yeah, maybe. But there, So those wines will be aged in oak as well, um, not necessarily longer than the Ripassos, it's just the, sort of the house style. And some of the Amarones, you, you've got to bear in mind, and that's where you ask an independent, some can be really concentrated and fruity and smooth, like the Alpha Zeta Amarone, which is good, but it's a good bargain. That, and, uh, but that, that's really sort of nice and friendly and very soft. Casavecchi that we've had by Brigaldara before, that's really dry and bitter. Um, the Corta Sant'Alda is like that's nothing else. Yeah, that's nectar and that's so velvety, so smooth and complex and silky and, and really interesting. But each... And Tordorti we've just got in, that's like chocolate and plums. spice. Yeah, I don't like to talk about bruised plums at the moment, but <laughs> it's that sort of flavour. and Yeah, real spice, real sort of... It's almost like Christmassy. a Christmassy. Yeah, well, it's a good... It's a comfort wine, isn't it? Good when you're sitting at home yeah, watching a cold film night. in an armchair and you've got the fire on. And, uh, That'll you knock just you want, out. Yeah, makes you sleep. Wake up at four in the morning and you're still there. Yeah, it's better than paracetamol, isn't it? So, <laughs> so they, they're the bas- basic styles. You do see other words and names and things on the on the labels, but they they are the basic styles that you're most likely to to see. And, and Amarone's sort of start proper ones start at getting towards thirty quid now upwards, and they should be because you you make such small quantities of them. But um, they're well worth it. Yeah, you I pay thirty quid in a pub for something that's that's not that sort of quality. No, no, that's right. So, any other questions? No, I think that covers it. That's cool. but I think people should probably investigate these wines and consider them for Christmas without a doubt because they work really well with Christmas foods. So we were saying the Valpolicella or a Classico, the lighter style, really good for cold cuts the next day if you need some reds for Boxing Day. Yeah, you've got your ham and all your leftovers. Yeah, and Repasso wonderful on the dinner table i would have thought and people will like it yes and we'll we'll work with lots of different foods and strong flavors amarone after dinner if you don't want a port or you might have port later on in the evening mm-hmm. start with an amarone with a bit of cheese yeah neatly surmised Lovely. there we have it ciao ciao bye Tata from kathy henry and me of course